Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Memorial. Good morning. Uh, in case you did not know, at 11 o'clock is the Festival of Lessons and Carols. And so I hope that some of you are over there, are going to that service. Uh, that must be the ones who are not here, right? <laughs> anyway, we had a really, you know, these special services, they're good, but they make, they kind of make me feel, you know, yeah, I left out a little bit. I feel like Charlie Brown's Christmas or something, okay? Because I get to only get to preach once instead of twice through Advent, the most important part of the year. But next Sunday, everything will be back to normal, hopefully, with two preaching services. So, here's some announcements I have for this week. First of all, I got so many different little pieces of paper. That's for 11 o'clock service. Poinsettias, if you put a poinsettia in the service, it says to remember to leave the plastic trays. All right, 2015 offering envelopes are now available. I guess, are the offering envelopes back there? Yes, yes, okay. And if you didn't get one, you need to see Ann Hammond, our treasurer. Okay, folks, now look at this. This is what you deal with. This was, this was stuck on my desk when I went back from the finance committee to grab my stuff to come in here. It's got an announcement, right? Doesn't say anything that there's one on the backside. <laughs> there's one on the backside. It's also for 11 o'clock. Okay. Prayer cards. You have a prayer request. Bill Clute is a man today. Now these prayers don't just get prayed here, they get prayed with the prayer team each week. And we have a really awesome prayer team that comes together on Tuesdays. All right. Okay. Then I think you got an announcement. Oh, the sign-up sheets. Did I not have that written down? Nowhere? Nope. Sign-up sheets. Are they back there? Okay. We need help now, folks, to make sure this service uh, goes forward all through the year, and it takes a lot of work. If any of you have not been involved in it, and you just walk in, let me tell you, everything you see here had to be put out here this morning for this service. It has to be put away. You know a little bit about that, because I see you, you know back here in your chairs. But if you would like to help, refreshments, whatever, see Cindy. Cindy. Jeff, if he's here, I'll see Jeff right now. Okay, and uh, you can see you can see me. You can see him. <laughs> okay, and uh, y'all not as happy as I am today. What's wrong with you? Come on. All right, we're ready. Will you stand and sing with us?
bow your heads and pray with me? Gracious God, we know your plan is perfect, even though we don't always understand. And we know that years ago, your people were expecting a mighty, rich, and powerful king, and you sent them a baby in a stable. But God, help us to remember that that baby was exactly what they needed now, and he is still exactly what we need today. Help us to remember that your plan is perfect in our lives as well. Prepare our hearts and our minds as we worship you this morning and as we prepare for the Christmas holiday coming so soon. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. the Brannons to come up and light the Advent candle for us, please. that the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. We light this candle as a symbol of Christ, our joy. May the joyful promise of your presence, O God, make us rejoice in our hope of salvation. O come, O come, Emmanuel. If you will turn and greet your neighbor and children, come forward for the children's sermon. boys and girls. Okay, Christmas is almost here. Are you excited? Okay, does anybody have, how many days? Yeah, Pastor Joseph wanted, does anybody know how many days? Natalie? 11. Morgan knew too. 
Okay. So can somebody tell me some of their favorite things about Christmas? Stella Ross, do you have a favorite thing? What is your favorite thing about Christmas? Playing in the snow. Well, Stella Ross, I hope it does snow. <laughs> is your daddy taking you somewhere fun to play in the snow for Christmas? Do you think you're going to be at home? Stella Ross, if it was, if it, my favorite thing about Christmas, if I was you, would be it's my birthday. <laughs> right, Emily, what's your favorite thing? Eating good food. Natalie, what's your favorite thing about Christmas? Getting gifts. Hattie, do you have a favorite thing? Hattie likes her Christmas tree and all the Christmas decorations. I bet it's beautiful. Does anybody else really like the decorations? Has anybody been to look at Christmas lights? Yes? Davis, have you? You only looked at yours, Natalie? Well, I have to give your mommy some places to take you to look at Christmas lights. Okay, can y'all think of anything that we might have forgotten to mention that was kind of exciting about Christmas? I kind of gave you a hint. It's Jesus' birthday, and it's Stella Ross's birthday, too, so that's pretty fun. All right, so I'm going to tell y'all a story about a little boy. Do you want his name to be Davis? No? Okay. Well, this little boy saw some signs driving down Wade Hampton that said the circus was coming. Has anybody, y'all like the circus, right? Y'all see those signs, the big billboards out that say it's a circus. Maybe they have some animals or some of the girls that do some of the crazy dancing stuff. Like, okay. So he saw these signs and he said, Daddy, 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 I really want to go to the circus. It's kind of expensive to go to the circus, right? Have y'all priced tickets lately? It's very expensive. So guess what the daddy told the little boy? You need to do some chores. Have y'all ever been told like you wanted to go do something and your parents maybe gave you a list of chores you had to do? Okay, so he did all his chores and his daddy gave him some money and told him to go to the circus. So what do they have? Has anybody ever been like before the circus where all the animals, they leave the train station and they march all down Main Street? They have the animal parade, right? Have y'all been to that before? Stella Ross has. I know you have. You haven't been to that? Well, before, so this little boy, he found out about the parade. So he go ahead and he went to the parade and he saw all the elephants come down and he saw the lions and the tigers and he saw those like crazy guys that ride those motorcycles and that spear, you know, that thing at the circus. He saw everybody and the last person he saw was the ringmaster. That's like the guy that's in charge of the whole circus. And you, what he, after he saw the parade, you know what he did? He gave his money to the ringmaster and said, thanks for having me. But what did he do? not get to go do? He didn't get to go see the circus because he just saw all the stuff leading up to the circus. He saw all the fanfare and the parade, but he never got to go to the circus. So the point of the story is we have all these really fun things that lead up Christmas. You might have a school Christmas party. You might have gone to the Christmas parade even. Maybe you guys are going to get to go do a gift exchange or go visit with Santa. But I don't want you to be like the little boy that just saw the parade and missed out on the circus. So hang on. So what I want you guys to do is enjoy the stuff leading up to Christmas, but remember that Christmas is really about Jesus's birthday. Okay? All right, let's say a prayer. Dear God, 
Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Help us to enjoy all the fun stuff about Christmas. But also remember the reason we celebrate is for Jesus' birthday. Amen. bow our heads for prayer. Oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh everlasting God, we come to you this third Advent Sunday and we're reminded of all the great things you've done for us. How you filled us with all good things from this earth and with laughter and joy and we praise your name this day. But we must confess, O oh Lord, that even though you have done these great things for us, we do not always thank you. We do not always hold on to what is good. And we do not always abstain from evil things. We fail to bear witness to you. And we do not remember that your will is to be done in all circumstances. And so, Lord, for this sin and all others we've committed this past week, oh God, we prayed you'd forgive us. You'd wash us again with your Holy Spirit and allow us to stand up and be counted amongst your children today. There are many this day who suffer, and we lift up and pray for all those who are on our prayer list. Uh, some are broken in body. Some have broken hearts. Some have fragmented spirits and tortured minds. We pray, O oh Lord, this day, especially that you'd bind up the brokenhearted, that you bring good news to the afflicted, and you'd restore them to joy. We pray this day for Roy and Andy and Bob. We pray for Mrs. Patterson. We pray for Robert Gross. We pray for an uncle battling cancer and his wife who needs support. We pray for Mark, Kiff, family, and the passing of his mom. We pray for all these prayers, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray uh, in, in the way he taught us to pray, saying these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen passage today is from 1 Thessalonians. It's the end of it. I wanted to read it to you. It's chapter 5, verse 16. And the Apostle Paul writes to that church and he says these words and they're for all of us. 
Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You as we can come closer to celebrating the birth of Your Son into the world. We pray this day that each one of us will think once again on what an incredible gift that is and how it has changed everything in our life. Help us this day to also be those who give thanks, pray, and rejoice in all circumstances. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the Scripture begs the question, I think, what is it that causes people in the midst of suffering to give thanks, to pray, and rejoice in all things? Let me read to you uh, from a book called The Hiding Place. Some of you might have read it. Uh, it was a recommended reading for kids at one point. It was set in World War II. The person is Corey Ten Boom. And she talks about how her sister had been in her, were imprisoned in a German prison camp. They were imprisoned in a place called Ravensbrück. Now when they entered the barracks, they found them flea infested. And one day during their scripture reading, they came across this very passage in Thessalonians about how we should rejoice and pray and give thanks in all circumstances. And Corey writes, and let me quote, she says, My sister Betsy told me we should stop and pray to God and thank Him for every detail of our new surroundings. Now think about it. She's talking about a concentration camp. Pray for every detail of our new surrounding, even the fleas. And at first I refused, but Betsy persisted, and so we prayed, end of quote. Now during the next few months of their imprisonment, they were surprised to see, find out, that the German guards hardly bothered them. They let them hold their Bible study. They let them hold their prayer meeting. They hardly interfered at all. And several months later, they found the reason. It seems that the guards would not enter their barracks because of the fleas. The fleas that the Lord had provided. The fleas that they had prayerfully thanked Him for. What causes people in the midst of suffering to give thanks, to pray, and rejoice? One of the famous uh, old-time Bible commentators who's long dead, Matthew Henry, after being robbed, he wrote in his diary these words. Let me quote. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, I am thankful because all they took, although they took my wallet, they didn't take my life. Third, I am thankful because although they took all that I had, it was not much. And fourth, I am thankful 
It was I who was robbed, not I who did the robbing. Matthew Henry, Corey Ten Boom, they have received, and so many others, the spirit that renews and liberates people. This is a spirit of promise, a spirit of joy, yes, a spirit that allows one to be thankful in all situations. One that allows you to look upon every day as a special day. Every day is Easter Day or Christmas Day or Pentecost Day. Every day is a time for rejoicing and giving thanks in all circumstances. You know, and Cindy touched on this a little bit in her prayer. I guess that the greatest thing about the gift of Christmas is that we really didn't know we wanted this gift. We didn't really know we needed this gift until it came. It hadn't even met our, or been on our wish list. But then there it is, this wonderful gift. This gift of the Christ child. When I was, uh, when our kids were growing up, excuse me, when our kids were growing up, we had a terrible time keeping them out from under the tree. And when we, we, they would often sneak in, look, get under the tree, and open up the presents ever so easily, and then tape them back so they could see what they were going to get. We came up with an ingenious idea, I think, that stopped that and prevented all that worrying about what they were going to get for Christmas. Instead of putting their names on the gifts, we started taping a number on all the gifts. Okay, here's a practical suggestion for all your parents. We, play, we put a number on the gifts. Okay, now we didn't put like a whole bunch of ones and a whole bunch of twos and a whole bunch of threes because if you'd done that, sooner or later they'd figure that out too. We just numbered all the gifts. And who do you think had the master list? Brenda, of course. It's, at first, it just drove the kids crazy because they couldn't tell which presents were theirs. They couldn't sneak around and shake them and try to open them and try to peek and see what they were. But guess what? They became more excited than ever about opening those presents on Christmas Day. You know, each year we would have them write down their list, their wish list. Anybody ever do that? You ever write down your wish list for Christmas? And they would make up these long, elaborate lists. That was back in the days, of course, when there used to be something called the toy catalog from Sears and Roebuck. I don't know. That really dates me, I know. And most of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it was a nice, big, thick book with nothing but toys in it, okay? And you could go through that and list all the stuff you'd like to have. Each year, we would totally ignore the list. Are you children listening? <laughs> we ignore the list. And we bought what we thought they needed or wanted or would be best for them to have. And each year, guess what? When they finally did open those gifts, there was excited shouts of joy, smiling, happy faces would greet us because they did not know what they wanted or needed until they opened up the gift. Their list all but forgotten. You see, that's the way it is about Christmas for us. Even now as adults, we are thrilled with opening the unknown gift of Christmas. I can tell you right now, there's not a person alive who doesn't, who doesn't look in awe at a nativity scene. 
If you're coming into the church, into narthex, into the sanctuary, there's a nativity scene there. Take a moment to look at it. Used to be there were nativity scenes everywhere. You would see them as you shopped. The thing is, is that you cannot look at the nativity scene. You cannot see God's glory wrapped up in swaddling clothes and not feel a sense of awe and joy and love. It is impossible not to do that. See, this is a gift that fills us with joy every time we wonder upon it. You know, the Christmas gift also does something else. It brings a unity that really can't be matched anywhere else. I, I, I've realized this years ago when I was in my first seminary class. Uh, in, in, one, of the, one of the differences of going to seminary now, just talking to, to uh, Chris. Chris? Talking to Chris. Yeah. Was that... Uh, see, they now last time seminary, you have these like off-campus classes that come together. Say, instead of going to the seminary, you do it via the computer, and sometimes you have off these uh, little classes. So you miss the big. It's like not living on campus. Okay, you miss that. But because when I was in seminary, we had to come there into those buildings at seminary in all those different classrooms and be with all the different people. One of the things that I saw was that there were people there from everywhere. You know, it was amazing to me. It was one of the first things that struck me was that there were people there from every continent, different races, different denominations. Uh, there, were, there were different people there. It just, you know, it wasn't all just white men. There were women. <laughs> There's all these folks. It was amazing to me, and, all, and, it, and it struck me that all these diverse cultures and languages were united in their desire to rejoice in the Christmas gift. We're not going to be able to go to the Holy Land trip next year due to family responsibilities and issues. But I have been to the Holy Land, and those when you go, if you've ever been, if you're going on this trip, one of the things that you're going to find out that's just remarkable is if you go to a place like the upper room, say, there'll be groups there, all these different tour groups, and they're from everywhere in the world. And they're all there speaking in their languages, praying in their languages, singing in their languages, and it's unbelievable. It makes you realize how this Christmas baby is more than just a cute gift. How this, this gift to the is to the world. It truly is to the world. It also helps you to focus and to think about this question. What would it be like if we never received the gift of Christmas? Sometimes during Holy Week observances, you may have been in a church that did this, uh, we do a little part of this, is that sometimes the altar is covered, the candles are not lit, and when you finish that particular service, you leave a darkened church and you go out silently. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, benediction, there's no greeting at the door, people just leave in silence. And when we do those kind of services, Tenebrae services. It's a reminder that what it might be like if we didn't have the Christmas story. 
In that dark moment of silence, uh, I have often been overcome with the realization that my identity, your identity, my purpose, your purpose, my direction, your direction, our very life is a merciful gift from a gracious God. And for us to know Christ means to know who we really are and how we're sustained by His presence and Spirit. This Christmas gift is our greatest hope to live any kind of meaningful existence. And this gift is the ground for the rejoicing each day that the question I asked in the beginning that goes along with the Apostle Paul's Scripture. We can rejoice every day in all circumstances because this is the gift that God has given to us and it is worth rejoicing about every day. But if I left it and stopped right there, I would not acknowledge the fact that sometimes in our lives we have the darkness and the dark periods. And we hear those haunting words that uh, have been recorded for us in the Scripture that says, Among you stands one whom you do not know. Those times we're far away from the Christ child. We're far away from the joy. And it's important, I think, at these times especially, because we have a tendency to get so caught up in the wrapping of the gifts and all the parties and all the rituals and all the things that we do. In that rush, sometimes we miss. We miss the one in whose name it's all done. We do. The glory and splendor of God are beyond comprehension, and yet God has rendered Himself visible and comprehensible to us first as a child, and then later as the man Jesus Christ. God is calling us, calling us to change. God is, call, is compelling us to exchange gifts that are meaningful, gifts of love and compassion with each other and with Him. Finally, let me say this. Recently I came across a question in my reading which I thought was very interesting. It said this, Would you do for gold what you would, you would do for God? Think about that. Would you attend worship every Sunday if you're being paid? Would you witness for Christ, invite someone to church if you were given monetary compensation for your efforts? Would you give more to the church if the investment of your offering brought guaranteed financial dividends? Now, in the article it went on to say, if these questions distress you because they call for a reluctant yes, it simply points out what we probably already know deep down inside, and that is that we are ready to do something for gold rather than for God. Well, let me help you understand it this way. Does anything really good ever happen without a lot of work? Just think about Christmas again. All the hoopla, all the trips to the stores, to decorating, the wrapping the presents, to baking, to cooking, they require what? Hard work. But let me ask you this. 
Do any of you out here, do any of you ever buy a gift, wrap one present, send one card, hang one decoration because on Christmas Day you know that your bank account will become larger? <laughs> of course not. You're just about guaranteed to know that it'll be less. You do it out of love. You don't do it because you're getting paid. You don't do it because something's going to come back to you. You do it out of love. You do it expecting nothing. You do it because you love. You love your family. You love your friends. You even love strangers. And the reason that we do this is because the first Christmas set the standard. The most precious gift, the one that came from God to all mankind, this gift that came from the one who needs nothing in return but seeks only to share, this example set the standard for the rest of our life. My friends, there are many reasons to pray, to rejoice and give thanks. There is no doubt about it. And even though we proclaim one whose sandals we are not worthy to untie, to untie, we can because of God's gift. We can rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. Christmas is and should always be a time of celebration. But after the tree is put away, after the celebration is over, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princesses go home and the shepherds go back to tending their sheep, when the manger's darkened and still, it's important for us as believers and disciples of Christ to know that the true work of Christmas begins. That's when it begins. That's why it came to start with is for the day after Christmas. The day after Christmas is the day that we begin once again to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to bring peace to people, to befriend the lonely, and to make music in our heart. My friends, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And we must go till He comes and we must continue His mission till He stops us. Because as Isaiah said long ago, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. We too have been appointed to share the good news and to build up the brokenhearted. I offer you these words of hope and encouragement in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us affirm our faith and respond to the Word of God as we stand and join together in these words. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus the Word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, and life 
life in death and life beyond death. God is with us. We're not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let our ushers come forward now as we receive our offerings. with us.
nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and Sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his. Blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty and Triune God, one God now and forevermore. Amen. Last week.